On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about what the hell just happened in that NFL draft. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. Third down and five. Rogers, same side. And this time, it's in the hands of Lazar. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, guys. Are we still hoping they play football in the fall? Have they drafted a wide receiver yet? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. What happens I, first? What happens first? A wide receiver gets drafted <laughs> by the Packers or, or a football game? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would need to be check, checked into an insane asylum if there's no football in the fall. But after this draft, it's just like we're going to be watching the 2019 Packers all over again. <laughs> so let's kick it off to happier times. Uh, there was a trade alert in the first round. Who did you think the Packers were going to take with that pick? Patrick Queen. Mm. Yep. Yep. I, I thought for I, I sure. Thought, yeah, the run on the receivers, like we said, the top four were gone. And I'm thinking, we'll wait till the second round. We move up four spots. I'm like, this is to go get Queen. Perfect. Love it. Let the receiver be your second round pick. And then I was done. I thought I was done watching shitty TV for four days. Because the NFL draft was on, and we'd been stuck with quarantine series after quarantine series. And then the Packers decided to start drafting, and it was like watching Love Island and The Circle and Love is Blind, just shitty TV that you're like, what is happening right now? I don't understand. So before we dive into this, let's just say we wish no ill will on any of these players. The players themselves did nothing wrong. I'm sure they're great stand-up guys. Uh, this anger in vitriol is purely focused on the front office decision-making. We're going to say some nice things, uh, and we truly hope that they succeed. We, uh, the people that are online saying, I hope love never starts. It's like, uh, well, it's one thing to say that because you want Aaron Rodgers to play on for the next four or five years. It's another to wish, wish bad on somebody. So with that, First pick, moving up using a fourth-round trade, Jordan Love, Utah State quarterback, which I get that he is a raw talent, and a lot of people loved him. Uh, and if you look at his, his kind of his clips throughout the last two years, he makes some amazing throws. And I would hope that this is the perfect situation, that he is definitely not ready to be an NFL quarterback, but he has kind of the same style in a way of, of how he puts a touch on the ball as Aaron Rodgers. So what do we think about Jordan Love coming out of Utah State? You know, honestly, if they didn't trade up for him, I might love this pick. I, I might be perfectly fine with it. But they traded up and gave away the fourth round pick, and we'll get to that later. Who was going to draft him? Maybe the Tennessee Titans. That's the only thing that I can think of. Maybe he had an in with the Tennessee Titans, which he previously worked for, and knew that they really liked Jordan Love. Um, that's the only thing that I can mm, think of. I didn't think of that. After they just re-signed Tannehill, I didn't think about that. But if he's a two, three-year project, that could make sense. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so Jordan Love, I, I really do like him. Um, uh, he's He honestly looks like a really – his arm is almost perfect – um, you know, he's had three different offensive coordinators while he was in college. 
Um, so a lot of change, a lot of different, you know, probably offensive calling schemes. Um, so I'm sure that wasn't easy for him. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a great developmental. I think it, he has a possibility of being a really good quarterback, but I mean, if I had to grade this, I would easily grade it a D minus, if not an F because why, why did you trade up? That's the only reason. I'm with you. I, I like the player. If you haven't done yourself this service, type in Jordan Love highlights into YouTube. The guy's got a live arm. He's mobile. If you just look at statistics, I've already had friends that don't need to be named that might be Vikings fans text me and be like, he fell off in 2019. What a shitty pick. Well, if you also look at his team, he lost four offensive linemen, the running back, and 75% of his uh, receiving production from 2018 so you got to look at the talent that he possesses not necessarily just the statistics that he put on paper especially at a school at utah state the guy's fun to watch on film and you know what i'm hoping he he becomes the next pat Mahomes. i'm hoping he he has an arm like aaron Rodgers. that would be fantastic but the trade up i heard some people compare it to you know Favre was 35 when the packers went and got rogers rogers is 36 First of all, Rodgers was a top five pick that was falling, and Favre had already flirted with retiring. And on the flip side, Jordan Love was not a top five pick, and Rodgers hasn't flirted with retiring. He says he's got five more years. So I didn't think that Gutekunst and LaFleur had enough clout to make this move. And I say this with everything in the back of my mind of, you know, if you re- if you listen to our podcast from during the season, Rodgers wasn't perfect. Rodgers wasn't playing within the offense. He wasn't getting the ball out fast or on time. We could build off a play action in a better way, but I still think Rodgers is the guy to do that. I don't think drafting a guy like Bakhtiari mentioned, Rodgers is going to be on fire next year. I guarantee it. I'm not so sure that drafting a guy to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers is behind is the way to go. This could end pretty poorly in a year or two, but I'm hoping best case scenario, you get two, three years that are awesome out of Rodgers, and then look at what the Patriots had to do with Garoppolo sitting behind Brady. You get left with this toss-up decision of which one do we keep? They're both great. That's best case scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, Garoppolo went for a second-round pick, so even if it's one of those things that you develop him, somebody's going to want him. Uh, and so I also think it's really interesting too. We look at the last three years you have starting three years ago, Philadelphia Eagles needing Nick Foles to come through, win the Super Bowl, And then Matt Moore coming in last year for three or four games to kind of keep the, the ship afloat while Mahomes was on, you know, off the field. It's not the worst thing in the world. I know that we want to be team boils, but I have absolutely no confidence in Boyles coming in and winning, uh, especially if it goes two, three, four weeks. I don't mind having a guy that that seems quiet, seems like a a humble guy that can just sit back and learn. And then if we do need him for chunks, uh, I I would feel more confident in him having the ability to step in and, and do something great, which it seems more and more the case that if you don't have a backup quarterback that you trust, at least the teams that are making these playoff runs and Super Bowl pushes, you're in trouble. It's just, and it's going to be a broken record for a lot of this podcast. Of there's not really a single player on this whole draft list. I don't think we reached on. Uh, I agree that if this was two years from now, fine, let's trade up. Let's get Jordan Love if you really, really love him. Now that we know we're four or five, hopefully years away, sit back. If he's not there, drop back in the second round to get two of the receivers or a, a linebacker or whatever you need to do. It's just, it's it's a really tough pill to swallow 
knowing that a quarterback who granted is talented beyond belief is who our first pick was. Yeah. And we, we may come back like this might be like the Aaron Rodgers pick, but we'll come back four or five years from now and be like, you know what? Good job guys. Good job. I hope, I hope we are terribly But You know what? Right now that shouldn't be where their heads are. Their heads should be winning one more Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I, I get building for the future, but when you have a chance to draft from one of the most talented wide receiver groups ever, and they didn't even pick one, much less the first round, uh, I, it just doesn't make much sense um, to where we are right now uh, and being so close last year uh, and only needing a few pieces. So it, it just doesn't make much sense to me why they did this. Yeah, Patrick Queen is available on the board. Maybe you would have still had to trade up for him because the Ravens ended up taking him. But I went back and looked at the box score from the NFC Championship game. Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. Mm-hmm. Mostert ran for 220 yards. And you get an opportunity to address that need with your first-round pick, and you pick a quarterback that hopefully doesn't play until 2024. I just don't get it. But, you know, he could get thrown into this terrible position in which I would feel really bad for him of Rodgers goes down for like a four week span. Mm -hmm. And the positive side of this is when Tim Boyle would have had to come in, it's like, all right, we're going to lose at least three out of four. But let's hope Rodgers can come back and light it up. Now the fans are going to be like, you better win three out of four because you drafted this guy first round. And that's not a very fair spot in the first year, but it's going to be the expectation on this guy. Yeah. So the next pick uh, off the board is the running back from Boston College, A.J. Dillon, which I absolutely love this pick if it would have been the third round and not the second. Uh, He is a big boy that I think actually pairs up very, very well with Jones. It's just, again, one of those that we probably reached a little too early for him being the 62nd pick overall. With A.J. Dillon, um, you know, honestly, after looking at his tape, I would grade him very high. Uh, so I can see why they drafted him. Uh, very talented guy, like you said, Foose. Very exciting to watch on tape. Uh, big plays. I, I didn't realize how many big plays this guy made um, in his college career. Um, but so I, I, yeah, I'd give him a pretty high grade on that pick. You know, a minus probably. But it's reached again. So you could probably have gotten him in the third round. Um, but, you know, but maybe this is another guy they fell in love with, sort of like Jordan Love, um, you know, and they really wanted him um, and were afraid that he wouldn't be there in the third round. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to see where their heads are at. And to but overall, I, I love this player. I'm glad he's on our team. Um, I'm not thrilled that they went quarterback running back. If they went Patrick Queen in the first round and then drafted a running back, I'd be perfectly happy right now. Um, I have no problem, you know, with all of the uncertainty with Aaron Jones and if he, they're going to resign him or not. Um, and obviously, Jamal Williams isn't the answer. Um, so, you know, I'm perfectly fine with them drafting running back, but not after a quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this guy. I'm with you guys. He's a nice talent. He's six feet tall, 247, and he's only 21. He, he was a three-year junior coming out. Um, so you got a lot to work with here. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you're an avid uh, listener and a, a true Packer fan following the team, then you've probably seen the quotes of it appears they want to become more of a running play action type offense. And you've got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams contracts expiring at the end of next year. 
I, like everybody else, saw just the running back position itself getting drafted in the second round after building up hopes. After round one, I, I talked myself off a ledge, and I'm like, all right, just go get a receiver and a D lineman on Friday night, and we're back. It's okay. And you see the running back position, you're like, what are we thinking? But if you really take it from that 30,000-foot level and, and pull yourself out of the emotional aspect of draft night – it makes sense. I think the guy could be a bulldozer. I mean, he's built like a fullback, but he ran a four five forty, so he can run. He made big plays in an offense at Boston College where he was the only playmaker. And you'd like to see him be a little bit more of a bulldozer. You'd like to see him run over people a little more often. Um, but this guy has a chance now to prove it over the next 12 months and give us the flexibility then to say we don't have to pay Aaron Jones $12 million a year or my uh, my call, I guess, way too early before training camp or football may even happen, is uh, this is an option to maybe not even carry Jamal Williams' contract through the year. Jamal Williams could be a cap casualty going into 2020 if A.J. Dillon shows the ability to play that backup role. And remember, we did sign Tyler Irvin to be a Swiss Army knife third down type back. So um, you got a lot of flexibility with this pick and potential playmaker. I like it maybe we win early on it. Yeah. And I, I think you bring up a good point. I love Jamal. I think he's an awesome dude, but there, I mean, there's nothing that I see on the field. That's one of those wow moments of, we need to keep him on this team. And we kind of discussed it before Aaron Jones at moments seemed like a poor man's Alvin Kamara last year. And if Dylan can become kind of the poor man uh, Ingram, this could be an awesome uh, backfield that I'm really, really excited about because he runs as fast as C.D. Lamb. And he's about he was in like the top six or eight finalists for high jump, long jump. Like the man for being nearly 250 is is absolutely a freak athlete. And I think. As soon as I heard his name, all I could think about was the Philadelphia Eagles game. We win that game because you know for a fact he is going to get a ball one of those four-plus plays within the one-yard line. We yeah. probably win that game. Maybe we're the first uh, seed and things happen a little bit differently at home. But I just love the fact that we have speed out of Jones and then this Dylan guy coming in, and he is just a big boy that still somehow has the moves, has the jumps. And like you were saying, Boston College is not a passing team. And I think they said that like between 75 and 80 percent of his runs, he was going against a stacked box because they knew they weren't going to throw. And yet he still put up absolutely insane numbers, all things considered at Boston College. So love the pick. It would be absolute uh, one of the better picks in the the whole draft if he would have gone maybe third round. But I do feel strongly that we will see him on Sunday and people will, will start to love A.J. Dillon coming yeah. out of the backfield. I you agree. Know, and, sure. and look at the bright side. If we get back to the NFC Championship game, we can now run for 250 yards. We only have to throw the ball eight times. Who needs receivers? Problem solved. <laughs> and we that's also the thing need to too. stop the run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is do that thing. either. <laughs> I, I know people are upset about potentially switching to a running game. The one thought I had is we were calling for Jones to get the ball more last year. And now if we have a dual threat in the backfield, that just hopefully, knock on wood, opens up opportunities for Rodgers to do more in the passing game, to have time, to do it, whatever he pleases to because he's not going to be asked to throw a ton. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. I actually think it works out well, but – Regardless, yeah, uh, let's talk about the the wild card in the backfield for next year, our third yeah. round pick. I 
<laughs> this is so upsetting. <laughs> uh, Josiah DeGara out of Cincinnati, who, if you look at stats-wise, uh, he beat out Kelsey in terms of touchdowns and receptions at his time in Cincinnati. Uh, from all things you know, you read, he's a hard worker that prides himself in his blocking ability. Uh, but for a guy that potentially could have fell all the way to the sixth round, the Packers took him at the back end of the third. So how are we feeling about our good old boy, Josiah? I struggle with this one the most, and I hope it's just because we can, at the end of the day, be considered football stupid and say Matt LaFleur is a genius and he saw how to work this guy into an offense that opened up everybody else. But I I just – you when you watch his tape, when you just see the, the general measurements and his statistical output at Cincinnati, I see how he could play – You know, the quote was that he could do this Kyle Juszczyk role like uh, the fullback hybrid tight end position for the 49ers offense. I see how he could fit that mold. Uh, I'm just not convinced he's the guy to do it. Um, I'm wishing him the best, but this is the pick that confuses me the most. And in my mind, it turned the draft from you can convince me still yet after the first and second rounds that this draft is for the best. And then this happened. It's like, all right, I don't think we're trying to win in 2020 anymore. Talk me off the ledge, guys. No, you are right on track. This is this is the pick where I lost faith in goot like this is where i'm like what are you doing you know he brought me back with aj Dillon a little bit i was a little upset it wasn't a wide receiver just at the time um but after doing a little research i was perfectly fine and then they went and did this and what made me so mad was they gave up their fourth round so you know this is your last pick until the end of the fifth round so you should be picking the highest rated player at least that's logic you know, whoever's highest on the board or that is at a position that we need. Um, but you go and grab Josiah DeGura out of Cincinnati. And I, it just makes zero sense. Like that's the one guy you had to have before your next pick in the fifth round. Like it makes zero sense. The first two made sense as far as GM and building a team, but a tight end when we are, trusting in jace i get we need another tight end but go pick somebody up off a free agency to help just block or something i mean and just use jace as a primary weapon um but to go get this guy i just don't get i mean he looks athletic i mean he's got great hands you know he's got great hands i think he only had one drop or something last year i was reading um and, he, and he's got good separation, you know, when on man-to-man coverage. So I, I think if he lines up on, you know, in the slot, uh, he could do some damage. Um, but, yeah, I just – it doesn't make any sense. I don't get that why this is the guy they needed um, as their last, you know, potential starter pick. Yeah, and I think the part that was an extra stab is Devin Duvernay going off the board two picks earlier, which would have been, I thought, an absolute perfect fit for Green Bay. Mm. And then even you look at the few picks afterwards, uh, people that would have for sure obviously been on the board, uh, two back-to-back linebackers and Jacob Phillips out of LSU and Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, people like that where I I feel it's obviously uh, an improvement from what we got uh, at Martin the next time we picked. But it just feels like the situation of if we didn't maybe stretch for love, maybe we get a linebacker in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnson out of Minnesota, get him in the fourth round then. Like, I just feel as though they reached 
I granted, if you love a player, that's great, but it's one thing to love a player and go, he's not going to be there in the fourth. It's another thing to go. Every single person is saying he is the book end of this draft and we are jumping up at the third round to pick him. I, I, I just have a hard time believing that he, out of everybody on this list, and I'm even including Love, I feel like he is the hardest path to success because I just he has to play absolutely outstanding football for that third round pick to make sense. So in the f- now fifth round, uh, we do include a linebacker in Martin out of Minnesota, which by a lot of standards, it, it's a, a little bit of a, a scary pick because of injuries and also suspensions. Uh, when he was on the field, he, he was relatively productive for Minnesota. Definitely has hands. Does it does have an ability to get through uh, kind of the lines of, of blockers. How are we feeling about Martin in the fifth round? Warren Burks Jr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I texted you guys. I'm like, hey, have you guys watched anything on Camille Martin? And you're like, yeah, he's just Oren Burks, just a repeat. And then I watched it, and I'm like, holy hell, it is Oren Burks. It has that feeling. Again, I hope I'm wrong. And I I guess I forgot to cover a piece in in round two and three. But before we wrap up that piece, and then I'll jump into Camille Martin here. But there's this rumor that the Packers were looking to trade up in round two to get a receiver. And they're saying maybe it was for Chase Claypool because they would have had the pieces to move up just four or five spots where Denzel Mims was sitting. How much different does this draft look if you get Jordan Love in the first without trading up? Because I'm not, you're not going to be able to convince me we had to trade up to get him. Second round's Denzel Mims, and then Dylan in the third, DeGuara in the fourth. I don't think any of us are complaining anymore. We're saying, all right, we're set for a quarterback later. We still ended up getting a receiver, a middle linebacker later. It's just the first three rounds are super frustrating. Back to Camille Martin. Sorry, I had to interject that piece. <laughs> they they put him in space. I, I think it can be exciting to watch some of his film because you look at what Blake Martinez lacked, and it's the ability to drop into pass coverage, lock up man-to-man on some of these tight ends, uh, and help out in the passing game. So that part reminded me of Oren Burks, but then the actual ability to play the linebacker position and sift through the trash and shred a block from the offensive guard and clean up in the running game, I'm not quite seeing that yet. And then you add in the injury history, and I'm like, he's not going to be ready year one, in my opinion, and I just get this Oren Burks vibe that three years from now we're going to be like, is he ever going to do anything for us? Yeah, he— He's great in open space. I mean, great, great at tackling in open space. Great, you know, reacting in out of the zone coverage. Um, but like you said, I, I just don't think he's big enough for to play that position. I, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll work. <laughs> we need oh, something. We need something. <laughs> when I was looking at him, it, it seemed like he did okay with blockers. He just didn't read blocking schemes very well. Like, it seemed like he... Like if he sees the runner going to the outside, he immediately he's a straight line kind of guy. But he just seems like he couldn't really read things as well as he probably should, which nothing like going from college to NFL and hoping that your your mind starts racing a little bit faster. But again, a guy that by a lot of standards potentially could have made it all the way to free agency at the end of the draft. And yet we're, we're sitting here at fifth round, which. I understand. I think that by then you're kind of saying we need to pick somebody on that defensive side. Um, and he just happened to be the guy, but I, I can see it working, but I would, I would be more surprised if it did work out. I just feel like it's just another body in there that at the end of the day, it is what it is. 
Um, then the Packers went all O line and will kind of condense this back half. Runyon out of Michigan, Hanson out of Oregon, Stefanik out of Indiana. Uh, all players, I think, have a little bit of upside depending on it. And I, I would hope that this group, for the most part, is probably somewhere between the lineup and the practice squad. But I I don't mind having a little bit of depth along that O-line. I think Runyon, especially with that pedigree of his dad being involved in the NFL mm-hmm. and his ability to play probably three or so different places on that line, I actually really like him a lot. He's one of my favorite picks in terms of where we got him in the draft and his ability to play. I would not be surprised if uh, he's sitting back for those first, I don't even know, six weeks. And then all of a sudden you see him kind of transitioning in a little bit more and a little bit more that by, maybe by the end of the year, he's actually getting his, for what he, it is in the sixth round, a fair share of, of plays. Yeah, I think if you come back five or look ahead five years from now, this this guy is a guy that uh, might be a steal that we we got. Uh, I I think he has great uh, upside in the NFL. He's very strong. um, And like you said, he can play almost every position on the offensive line. Um, So he's not going to be a tackle. No, he'll be, he'll be a guard probably, but I mean, I'm super excited to see what they can hopefully develop with him because he doesn't have to play right away. So just sit back and learn. Just off the pedigree, multi-year starter at Michigan. Um, you know, dad was a player for a long time. Well connected. He's got the highest hopes for me. Like you guys have said that that he's just a ten-year guy. He's utility. He starts for a few years. He can play either guard position, maybe sub in at center as needed. Mm-hmm. And the two the two other linemen I like as well. Um, hopefully, you know, this late in the draft, you can't bank on all three of them making it. But if two out of the three make it, you probably did good with these three picks. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with them. We need depth. And hopefully two, three years from now, you're giving yourself the option to get out of like a Billy Turner type contract or maybe not renew a guy that's asking for too much money because you do have this kind of depth. So I like these three picks. Nothing wrong with them. Yep. Yep. And anytime you can add an offensive lineman from any Big Ten team, I I'm beyond excited for it. So uh, hopefully some of these guys work out uh, wrapping up in the, the wonderful seventh round Vernon Scott, who nobody knows who the hell he is, but <laughs> even his team didn't to recommend him as an NFL prospect <laughs> just last year. His own team said, no, don't worry about him. Uh, and then Garvin out of Miami. And I think Dan, you brought it up. Uh, if you have the name of your school, Miami, and you're an edge rusher, you automatically get the benefit of doubt. But uh, I, if you get anything from them, great. I don't expect that to be the case, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Garvin, super athletic. I, I know nothing about Vernon Scott. I honestly asked who that was when we were about to start this pod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Research. Yeah, that's 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 my uh, that's my take on those two. Yeah, you know, again, I hope I'm proven wrong. Vernon Scott, I just don't see him making the team. We, we've got safeties better than him already. Jonathan Garvin, when you're a good athlete and, you know, you're just one of these guys that you get off the bus and you can intimidate guys and you come from Miami, you're going to get everyone's uh, attention. So Ryan was mentioning he got our best draft grade from CBS Sports. and He's our 242nd overall pick, but it's just because he's outside linebacker from Miami. If you know, at best, he's our fourth pass rusher behind the Smiths and Gary, and I hope he's not. I hope we have better uh, somewhere. You know, we never addressed defensive line anywhere until him, and he's more of an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess yeah. I, I need to stop harping on how how many flaws exist in this draft, but uh, we needed 
We needed a DN to run stuff and type, and uh, I guess we're gonna have to look to free agency for that. Or maybe maybe Kiki maybe they're maybe they're hoping Kiki steps up in year two. Okay, I, you know, I don't know. Come and on, here comes come on. Montrevious Posit- Adams. Positivity. <laughs> Uh, but no, I did want to ask you guys, uh, how much control do you think Goot gave Lafleur in his first year of drafting? Really, full year of drafting. I don't know if control is the right word, but they seem to be uh, in lockstep, which I guess you have to be to the press. But I mean, I feel like I might be reading too much into it. But every time they cut to Lafleur, that that guy was smiling from ear to ear, like he got his guy. It it looked like, especially the first two, the quarterback and the running back. It looked like those were his guys. He he wanted. I felt them like it was the first uh, three. Like he's, I, the he's way that behind the yeah, the way that Goots was kind of. It's weird when you look at the quotes. It almost it almost seemed like he was putting a little separation into Lafleur. Really, really liked him. Like it was just it felt weird. It just felt like one of those situations where you're like, wait a second, who? What was this for? But. This, uh, I think we've said it a couple times, this is either going to come back and be like, wow, I get it now, or we're going to go back to this and go, what an absolute waste uh, of an entire draft, and hopefully it doesn't set us back. If anything, I think the team is probably right where they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they can get things going on the offensive side. Uh, hopefully EQ coming back, some other players we've, we've picked up along the way that we're hopefully in a better position. I just... I. You should leave the draft feeling extremely good about these three areas. We are better. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you think they have a plan, you know, they have to have a plan with these guys, with LeFleur, you know, that he sees that tight end Josiah doing something and AJ Dillon doing something to help this team. So hopefully yeah. what he sees comes off on the field. Uh, That's yeah. our only hope for the offseason is. <laughs> You know, these guys are smarter than us in football sense. I, I'm not going to argue that at any point. So they have a mold of what they want this team to look like, not in 2024, but in 2020. And let's just hope that they got their guys and they picked them off in order that they needed them ahead of every other team, as they're making it sound like. Um, it, it's the only hope we have for the next few months until we start seeing these guys practice is uh, let's hope they played their cards right here. And, you know, we were still a 13 and three team, one game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, we're not going to, you know, theoretically, we're not going to fall to two and 14. It, it, you know, we don't need to light the whole team on fire and start over. It was just a disappointing draft. But there's been a lot of folks that are super excited about their draft in the past, and they don't pan out. Mm-hmm. So I hope we're disappointed and it pans out in the fall. That's when it matters. For sure. For sure. So with that, uh, man, it was so nice to have sports in some shape or form back on TV. Uh, and then I think by the end of the sixth round, not even, I, I quit on it. So we're hey, watching. We, Man, we, found, we found our next franchise quarterback boy. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so for trade bait. Yeah. But with that, uh, we'll see where this next couple months go and hopefully, uh, everybody continues to stay healthy and happy and we can be talking football in all seriousness very, very soon. So thanks everybody. Go Pack Go!